Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. In the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the White Sox 8, the Cleveland Indians scratch back to 5. Unfortunately, it is not enough after the power display put on by the White Sox last night. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I am not going to lie to you. I got the COVID vaccine shot yesterday, my second shot, and it is kicking my butt this morning. So this is going to be a short episode. I wanted to do something because I really have no way, uh, you know, getting in contact with any of you. And uh, I could tweet out that I'm not feeling well, but I was like, you know what? I can I can sit down in my chair, do five, ten minutes. We could talk about the game and then uh, I can go take a sick day and uh, play some MLB The Show, watch some movies and uh, watch the game tonight. So hopefully I'll be feeling better by then. But I appreciate you hanging in there with me and enjoying a short episode. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Todd, who emailed in. Uh, Todd sent a really nice email in. He said, first off, just want to let you know that I love the podcast. Listen to it every morning after the game. I drive a truck, so it's pretty much a ritual stream for the broadcast on the MLB app during the game. And listen to this the following morning. Now, his question was about stats. And uh, it's hard. It's hard being an audio medium. Uh, he was wondering, what is the website that I keep talking about for all these stats. Uh, so the website is called Baseball Savant. That's S-A-V-A-N-T. I do not know why they call it Baseball Savant. It's also referred to as the StatCast webpage, but that's not uh, the web address. That's not the title at the top of the page. It's a little bit confusing. And if you are on MLB.com and you're looking at stats on MLB.com, you'll see a little button in the top right that says, you know, uh, standard stats, extended, or something like that, and then StatCast. And if you click on StatCast, it's going to take you to this baseball savant site. So it takes a little bit of a learning curve to learn how to navigate it. I've been really digging into the game feeds because this show is all about breaking down the game. So I've been, you know, that's where I'm finding the illustrator to show the pitch locations, to show the pitch type locations. That's where I'm getting the CSW rates, the exit velocities, all those sort of things. So it's pretty cool. It's a really, really powerful website, and MLB keeps adding to it. So if you want to dig into these stats more, if you want to see some of these charts and graphs that I refer to, um, somebody on Twitter I think they were joking around and said, man, it's really killing me, all the advanced stats you're saying. And I believe their point was that the Indians are not looking good in these advanced stats so far. But these stats do tell a story. They do paint a picture, right? You could say that Zach Plesak struggled last night, but I'm actually going to show you why Zach Plesak struggled last night, right? It's going to tell the story by looking at things like his pitch location, by looking at his pitch mix, and uh, where they, you know, you're going to see his fastball was not that great last night. So, uh, yeah, so these stats, they're really important to seeing the game uh, at a new level because we could look at the box score. We could talk about, you know, what exactly happened in the game, and that tells, the, that tells one side of it, right? It tells it on face value. But if you really want to get the story of the game and understand what's going on and what's happening, uh, digging into these advanced things are fun. So again, it's Baseball Savant, S-A-V-A-N-T. All right, 
so let's get into the game last night. Uh, let's get into the story. And thank you, Todd. I appreciate the email, and I hope you are having a nice dr- I hope you're not driving in Northeast Ohio, because the roads are a disaster. The snow that came down last night is absolutely insane, and it's going to be gone by the weekend. So, uh, Todd, I hope you're not driving in Northeast Ohio this morning. hope you're somewhere warm. Um, all right, let's get into the game last night. Yes, the Indians lose 8-5, to five, but this one... This one just felt like your normal weeknight loss, right? Like, this one didn't... There were some things that went on in the last series. Like, of course, we get no hit, and triple plays turned against us, and uh, in the last two series or in that road trip. This one just felt like a normal Tuesday night loss, you know, down at Progressive Field. And you're going to have that, right? The old saying, the old adage is, you're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60, What you do with the 60 in between, that defines your season. So I think you just chalked this one up last night as uh, one of those 60 losses that are just going to happen throughout the season. Uh, Plesak started okay. He he, he started all right. He did make two very bad mistakes. Uh, Luis Robert and uh, uh, Jose Abreu were absolutely locked in. So... I mean, he cruises, though, through the th- for the first two innings. Strikeout, ground out, fly out. Ground out, ground out, ground out in the second inning, which is big. Then uh, Robert doubles to start, the, uh, to start the third, and Tim Anderson hits a home run. And uh, again, wh- one bad mistake pitch. Later, he gives up a home run to Jose Abreu. And other than those two pitches, he actually felt like he was doing okay until the sixth inning and everything went to hell in the sixth inning um they absolutely unload on him and then they unload on cal quintrill when he comes into the game uh so he starts off with single double single to adam eden Moncada, and abreu uh then quantrill comes in garcia pops up a bunt but then grandal hits a home run uh and yeah, at that point, now it's feeling like it's getting a little bit out of hand. I mean, at that point, going into that sixth inning, um, the Indians were making it close, right? It was a three to two game. The Indians were, and they had chances. The Indians had chances in so many innings. And then that fourth inning, that sixth inning, the four run sixth inning, just it just blew the game wide open. The Indians do claw back. I mean, you give them credit. The Indians are good at scoring runs late, and they uh, they add one in the seventh. They add two in the bottom of the ninth. But at that point, I mean, it was an eight to three deficit going into the ninth, and you're you're not going to crawl back from that. There were hard hit balls from everybody last night. Absolutely everybody. Rodon gave up hard hit balls. Cody Hewer really got messed up in his inning in the third. He gave up six hard hit balls, balls with ninety five plus exit velocity. Plesak did get hit hard, so, I mean, he did give about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hard-hit balls to White Sox hitters. So, that's not great, but uh, he was actually he was actually pitching okay uh, to start the game, and it all went it all went to hell in the in the sixth inning. So, uh, yeah, getting more into the story, looking at the illustrator and Zach Plesak, everything. Every single result. So looking at the result tab on the Illustrator, everything is down around the waist, around the knees. Uh, The highest, the two highest uh, 
uh, fastballs that he threw that resulted in a play um, is he threw one to Yasmani Grandal uh, that turned into an out that was up in the up and on the left edge of the plate, and then the fastball to Jose Abreu that he plunked 115.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity that he put, I mean, three-fourths of the way up the bleachers in left field. Uh, a monster home run from Jose Abreu. Those are the two highest pitches, and those are at the letters. Everything else, um, even his strikeouts, were down around the knees, around the waist. Every hit he gave up last night, the double to Robert, or to Mancada, the, uh, the double he gave to Luis Robert was kind of right at the bottom of the zone. The home run he gave up to Tim Anderson was right at the thighs, right down the middle of the plate. So for some reason, Plesak was not using uh, the whole strike zone yesterday. Or, I mean, the White Sox hitters were just waiting for stuff down and doing damage with it. And if we go back to the Tigers game on April 9th, which is really the last time Plesak pitched good, it was the second start of the season. Here, he's using the whole strike zone. He's got one, two, three, four strikeouts at the top of the strike zone. He's still staying in the zone. He's very much staying in the zone against the Tigers, but he's using the whole zone. In, out, up, down. Last night, it was all, it was all middle, and it was all down. And uh, yeah, I think that's where it got away from him. And that's, again, where the illustrator, or something on Baseball Savant, can tell a little bit of a different story. All right, let's look at some of his pitches, uh, his pitch mix yesterday. Plesak uh, threw all his pitches evenly. All his pitches. He threw 28 four-seam fastballs, 24 sliders, 23 change-ups, and 17 curves. He was really, uh, you know, mixing it all up. And now he had 12 swings on those four fastballs and only one whiff. That's, that's where I'm saying... He was really struggling with his four-seam fastball last night. He did get seven called strikes with it. Uh, his overall CSW on the day is 27%. Not good. Below league average. Um, not one pitch was above 30%. In fact, fastball, slider, and curve were all at 29% CSW. Changeup was at 22% CSW. So not one of his pitches was really effective last night. The exit velocity off his fastball. The max was 115. The minimum exit velocity off his fastball was only 100. He averaged 104.6 mile per hour exit velocity off his fastball. That is rough. That is really rough. The uh, the slider was his best pitch as far as inducing weak contact. Um, The average exit velocity off his slider was only 64.7%. So that's good. I mean, that's great. The fastball averaging 104.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity, that is you are going to really, really give up. You're either going to make some loud outs or you're going to be giving up some home runs. And uh, for Plesak yesterday, it was giving up some home runs. So, yeah, uh, Sam Hentage did get his uh, Major League debut, and it went pretty well, except for when it bats a Jose Abreu that he's going to remember. He does strike out the side plus give up a solo home run to Jose Abreu. I think that's that's pretty good debut for a rookie, right? You could say I struck out the side and also gave up a home run to the league MVP last year. You kind of you kind of seen it all now in your uh, in your first game, in your first game action. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's a big dude and he throws hard and his curveball uh, they were really swinging and missing at his curveball. Four swings, three whiffs on his curveball. 
um, and one swing and one whiff on his slider. He only pitched an inning, but pretty impressive debut off uh, against the White Sox for Sam Hentage. Uh, and we'll see if he sticks around, right? I got to be honest with you. I'm worried about Cal Quintrill. Cal Quintrill comes in in relief for Plesak, and it does not go well. He gets hit around hard. And looking at his uh, Fangraphs page, I like how Fangraphs lays out some of the advanced stats sometimes. Um, for his major league career, his, his strikeout rate is way down. He's never been a big strikeout guy, but last year, split between the two teams, it was at 8.72 strikeouts per nine. Uh, His first year in San Diego, 7.78 strikeouts per nine. So far, only 4.5 strikeouts per nine this season. Now, the walks are real trouble. His first season in San Diego, 2.45 walks per nine. 2020, 2.25 walks per nine. This season, he's up to 5.63 walks per nine. And here's where some of the advanced stats really paint a picture. His ERA might only be 3.38, but his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, which takes away um, the things that fielders do, whether they make a good stop or routine stop, make an error, you know, all those things. It's just what the pitcher can control, and it's made to look like an ERA. His FIP is up to 5.57. Last year, it was at 3.91. So that is really, really concerning. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm I'm worried about Quantrill. I'm really worried. I think if anybody needs to go down and get a little time at the alternate site, it's Quantrill. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the Indians decide to do. They're running with a lot of pitchers right now, so everyone's expecting them to make another change, bring up another bat. Whether that's, you know, an outfielder, a first baseman, they're expecting a pitcher to go down and a bat to come back and balance things out. All right, we'll see. We'll see who it is. Uh, Digging into the box score for the Indians, everybody hit the ball hard yesterday, except for Yu Chang. Yu Chang did not get credit with a hard hit. And I was a little bit worried about Yu Chang. Number one, I think it's because Francona won't let him get four at-bats in a game. I mean... Everybody else is getting four at-bats in the game, except for Yu Chang, who instantly comes out for Jake Bowers as soon as a right-handed pitcher comes in, which I don't know if Yu Chang's splits deem that necessary. Uh, I mean, I get that they're a platoon right now, but I'd rather see Chang get four freaking at-bats in a game to see if he can do anything and get any kind of rhythm. Now, I was thinking he popped one up yesterday. I was like... They talked about his new swing in spring training. And I was like, okay, is this a situation where a guy has a good swing in spring training? And then you get into the regular season and you kind of revert back to your old way of swinging, right? They talked about him opening his front foot, opening the hip, really getting good hip action and hip rotation so that he could unlock some power on his pull swing. So I'm like, okay, let's go over to the MLB film room. And the MLB film room is a pretty powerful tool you can... Look up basically any pitch, any at-bat within the last few years. So I looked up this weekend, Yu Chang flew out to right field. He flew out to Cassianos in right field. And I looked up that at-bat and then watched that. There's no slow motion, unfortunately. I wish there was. But I was able to pause it like right at the point of contact. And then I compared that to a home run he hit in spring training. And I'm telling you, the footwork is identical. The footwork is absolutely identical. The left foot placement, uh, the hips, 
Uh, it's all identical. And the only difference is in spring training, when he hits this home run, the bat head is out ahead of the ball. He's being aggressive. And this fly out to Castellanos against the Reds this weekend, the bat head is back. He's He didn't get on top of the ball. He didn't get out in front of the ball and drive it. Uh, but the footwork is the same. So I think it's more of a timing issue than Chang reverting back to bad habits. So get this guy four at-bats in a game. Give him a chance to try to find some kind of rhythm. Uh, that's the hard part right now. The hard part is finding at-bats for all these guys. And you're trying to see about a lot of different guys. And I think Chang is suffering because of that. He did have a couple of good hits over the weekend. I think he had a, uh, oh, he, that's right. He had both of those singles to Jesse Winker that Winker bobbled and Chang turned them into doubles. Uh, that's right. That's what he did over the weekend. So, I mean, Bowers is worse. Bowers is much worse. Bowers is down to 148 with a 392 OPS. Chang is at least at 214 with a 552 OPS. Uh, the real story on offense yesterday was uh, Fermil Reyes goes three for four, uh, three singles, uh, smoked some really, really hard hit balls, hit one, two balls both at 107 for singles. Those are smoked. But the real story on offense was Jordan Lublo. Jordan Lublo hits the home run, uh, hits a solo home run, and he also walked three times and scored two runs. That's from your leadoff hitter, Jordan Luplo, which we were all making fun of when this season started. He's at a 267 average, which is fine. He's at a 1.205 OPS. 1.205 OPS. That is crazy. I mean, if you had to bet on that, what Jordan Luplo's OPS would be to start the season... His 2021 on-base percentage is 405 right now, and he's slugging 800. So I'd say he's off to a good start. Uh, his barrel, he's in the 98th percentile on barrels. He's in the 96th percentile on expected slugging percentage. Average exit velocity, he's in the 84th percentile. Um, his whiff rate, he is down at 24. We know he will swing and miss, but when you're swinging for home runs, that happens. But his chase rate is in the 96th percentile, which means he's at least swinging and whiffing on balls in the zone. Uh, so, yeah, so pretty incredible uh, for Jordan Luplo to start the season. And it's he's the one guy you really can't have any complaints about right now. So uh, MVP for the day. I mean, it is great when a guy makes his debut and strikes out the side, but... He did give up the home run to Jose Abreu, so I got to give MVP for the day to Jordan Luplo. Like I said, he's your leadoff hitter, and he walked three times, scored two runs, and hit a solo home run. That's a really, really good day for a leadoff hitter. All right. Uh, I made it through it. <laughs> I made it through the podcast. I appreciate you sticking with me and understanding the episode's coming out a little late today. Uh so thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the White Sox 8, the Indians 5. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully feeling a lot better to cover that game. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. Email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You know the rest. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. <laughs>